It's Bad History. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new spooktacular edition of Bad History. Bad History. My name is Steven and this week I am joined by my favorite trick-or-treating companion, Dave. What's up, man? Hey, Steven. This is episode 35 of Bad History, part of the Bad History Super Spooky Halloween October Edition episodes. And Dave, I gotta know, are you in the Halloween spirit? I am super in the Halloween spirit. I love Halloween. I love scary. I like spooky. I like dank memes. Sure, everyone does. All of those things. Right. What about about you, Steven? You know, October is my favorite month of the year. Uh... Because in South Carolina, here in here here in South Carolina, I like to think it's gonna get cool every October. I'm like, oh man, October's coming around. It's time for it to cool down. And like nine times out of ten, that never happens. Yo, but maybe, just were, maybe. You remember when you were a kid? You fucking sweating in your Halloween costume, man. Oh, for sure. Like you're I either. I remember like fucking like oh you did not wear a mask in no. South Carolina. God for forbid. <laughs> Because you would just be dripping wet. There is, I can count on like one hand the amount of times that it was like actually cold outside during Halloween. Yeah. Because that's the thing is it's either freezing or it's like 90 degrees, but only on Halloween. The next day it's going to drop down to like the low 50s. Yeah, it's pretty chilly. Yeah. November. (laughs) Well, you're also in the Great White North, so... Yeah, <laughs> the great white north. What's the weather like up there right now, Dave? Uh, right now it's probably like sixty-three degrees. Oh, that's pretty good. That's about what it is here. I'm wearing basketball shorts and a hoodie and a hat. Very nice. Um, so yeah, my week has been very Halloweeny, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. <laughs> Get your Halloweeners out. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to know in the, in the uh, theme of of Halloweeners? I went trick-or-treating when I was in middle school one time, and I literally got from some woman a can of Vienna sausages as a, as a trick-or-treating gift. <laughs> is this just between you and me? Or oh, no, you? this is, go- this is okay. like, the world needs to know this. I was, like, about to, you know, like pull up the, the chair and be like, do you want to talk about it, man? <laughs> it was one of the most confusing times of, like, my childhood. I mean, yeah, it's not fucking candy. Dude, but Vienna sausages are really good. I mean, they're not. They're disgusting. But, like, Yeah, they're, they're, they're good in the same way that, like, prepackaged bologna is good. Prepackaged what? Uh, bologna. Okay, I, I, I believe that the, that the, the layman's that term is. is bologna. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But anyway, I'm going to move on to my week so we can get away from your... Uh, your meat talk over here. <laughs> so we've been watching lots of scary movies, doing lots of spooky things. Uh, we've been decorating and eating lots of candy. Cat is making us Halloween costumes this year. She is going to be legless and I am going to be Gimli. <laughs> and we are going to just sit in our apartment dressed as legless and Gimli. <laughs> yeah, you're going out. You're, you're going to hit the town as we're, uh, we're going oversized to a- Gimli. We're going to a, I'm a slouch, bro. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> we're going to back. a party, but like, it's like three. No, like the isn't Halloween like not on a weekend? It's on a Monday. I think it's the week before the week before Halloween. So it's like 
way so before two, Halloween. So it's like next week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and our anniversary is on Halloween. Uh, so like we're going to probably go to dinner and not, you know, like have these costumes ever again that we're going to wear. Yeah. So I, I say I'm just going to fucking wear it and walk around and be Gimli all day right like, at law school. Fuck it. Bring it on. Steven. Mm. You're weak. Were there any good movies, any books, or video games? That was like very like you were so unsure. I don't were you remember. gonna? I like yeah, don't I even know. remember the order, so I, I know me either. As I was saying. Um, I've been uh, you know, I've I had actually a five do day. Know. Do you? I had a I had I had a five day like impromptu vacation this past week. Uh, when Hurricane Matthew decided to uh. All right, all right, all right, all up the East Coast. And um, so I got five days. I got three days off from school and then a weekend. And I was, I was supposed to go to Florida. It didn't happen. Uh, but so I chilled super hard. It was awesome. Um, all right, so moving on uh, from, from, from that. This week we are diving into our first of two episodes all based around spooky spooky stuff this week dave and i have each picked two iconic monsters uh we're not looking at creature types necessarily like we're not looking at werewolves vampires that sort of thing um instead the example dave used last week was you know you look at dracula or the wolfman and obviously neither of us are doing those um but we've picked two iconic monsters and we're going to talk about them give the history of them what do they do what's their uh stat sheet look like um you know what would happen if they went went one-on-one and uh check out those stats man yeah uh but that's going to be uh yeah so that's uh that's that's this week should we just go ahead and jump right into it dave dude play the fucking music i you know absolutely will do All right, Steven. Yeah. So I chose the because uh, you told me I had to do some ancient civilization-y. Yes. Yeah, that was my limitation on you. So going with that, I chose Polyphemus. Uh, looking at his stat sheets, he has uh, lots of good dexterity and mm-hmm. luck um, and sneak. He's got really high sneak, but he has really bad vision because... Mm-hmm. He's a cyclops. He is a famous cyclops uh, in ancient Greek mythology, and uh, also he appears like in a bunch of other kind of shit. So, a little background: Polyphemus is a giant cyclops. He is the son of Poseidon, the god of the sea in Greek mythology, uh, and Thusa, a sea nymph. He's originally portrayed um, in Book Nine of the Odyssey by homer and uh i remember homer's odyssey it had three rows and eight seats that was a good week uh but his narrative grows throughout history so first of all i'll give you his kind of story you know sitting around the campfire here so in the odyssey by homer you mean, I'm th- i think you mean the fireplace dave oh yeah around the fireplace <laughs> around the hookah <laughs> god so, Stephen, The Odyssey, by one Homer J. Simpson. You familiar with The Odyssey at all, Stephen? Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, so we had we had to read it, and I put heavy quotes around had. And when I was in ninth grade, and we had a student teacher, and instead of making us read it, she printed out the spark notes for us. So, as you all know, probably better than Stephen, the Odyssey is one of Homer's parts of his uh, epic uh, about the Trojan War. It's one of the books. We don't have all the books, but the Odyssey is pretty damn good. It's about Odysseus and his journey uh, back home to Ithaca from the Trojan Wars and all the crazy shit that goes on along the way. And it's told like a Quentin Tarantino film. It's in media res or Roz, yeah. whatever, where it's in like media all Ross. over the goddamn place. It's looking back. It's looking forward. It's great. It's one of the greatest examples of nonlinear storytelling. And it's awesome. So Polyphemus is a sub uh, kind of bad guy, a sub boss, if you will, a sub antagonist of the story because there's a lot of them. So while Odysseus is chilling with the Phaeacians, uh, he recounts to them some of the stories of his long journey. So he's with them sort of like halfway through the story near the end. He like has already been on his journey, but he's not quite home yet. So he's chilling with them and he tells them the stories of his long journey or odyssey, if you will, about trying to get back home to Ithaca. From the so first you need to know about Odysseus. If you don't, which you should. So Odysseus is like a great hero and super important as an archetype for ancient Greek men and ancient Greek manliness and whatnot. But he was also kind of a dick, which is like, you know, they all were. Everybody back then was like kind of a dick. Uh -huh. um, so on his voyage home, the winds steer his fleet to Ismaris in southern Greece. While he's there... While he's there, him and his boys decide to wreck up the joint and plunder the city. Um, like you do. <laughs> reinforcements come and drive Odysseus and his crew away. You know, so he's kind of a dick. He just, like, <laughs> randomly wrecks up this place. Um, and as they're fleeing, they are led to a different place called the Land of the Lotus Eaters, also known as the Eatophagi. So here, they eat the lotus fruits and get high as shit. And they don't want to leave. So Odysseus literally has to drag them one by one back to the boats and lock them up in the brig just to get them off the island. So he's like super manly, super smart, super cool, but he's also a prick. And that's what the Greeks liked to this day and back then. This is all really important. Um, I'm going to get into it a bit later. The next place Odysseus lands is on the island of the Cyclopes, which is the plural of Cyclops. Odysseus and some of his men disembark upon the island, and they find a cave full of provisions. The men are super spooked, and they're like, yo, this is the island of the Cyclopes. We need to not stay here. And they tell Odysseus that, she sh that they should probably leave and get back to Salem. But Odysseus decides to stay <laughs> and showers on some of the goods what happens next polyphemus a giant cyclops returns to his cave with his flock of sheep that he was out grazing and he sees all these people in his home essentially robbing him <laughs> he's just a shepherd polyphemus just a giant one-eyed shepherd and he comes home and there are all these greeks crawling all over shit <laughs> so he's 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 not an idiot 
this Cyclops, Polyphemus. So he says, hey guys, welcome to my cave. Help yourselves. He, he offers them hospitality. But then he pushes a boulder in front of the exit of the cave, a huge one. And he blocks the exit, and they're stuck. And he then eats two of the guys. <laughs> nice. Nice. So everybody's trapped, right? And they can't do anything about it. And they're stuck in here with a cyclops that just ate two people. The next morning, Polyphemus wakes up, eats two more of the guys. Wait, no, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> so they're, ch- they're, they're, they're just chilling. Boulder in front of the door. Yep. Cyclops goes the fuck to bed. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Like, like, but, like, but no, what was Odysseus doing? Like, let's just let him sleep. <laughs> I mean, I'll get into it. So, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit, right? So, next morning, Polyphemus wakes up and eats two more guys. Now, something you need to know about um, the Odyssey and Homer in general is numbers are really kind of bullshit as there's like famously said that if you follow a timeline uh none of it makes sense and uh fucking like achilles is nine years old or something at the time of the battle uh so when i talk about the crewmen that odysseus has with him they're essentially like extras on lost like yeah yeah, yeah, only like 18 people survived the plane crash, but you saw, like, 60 different actors over the course of the show, like, on the island. Yeah. So when I say he, like, eats two, you can just assume that there's, like, infinite there. Yeah, yeah. He's just grabbing and eating. So he wakes up, eats two more guys, and then goes to graze his sheep, locking the men in the cave behind him. So during this time, Odysseus had come up with a scheme because Odysseus is always scheming. He's sly. He's clever. So when Polyphemus comes back, he eats two more guys. <laughs> Closes the door <laughs> behind him. <laughs> and then uh, sits down. Odysseus slides up to him and offers him some really strong wine he had on him that he just happened to bring with him from the ship. Polyphemus obliges and gets fucking drunk. He thanks Odysseus, and he asks his name. Odysseus responds that he is nobody. Like, that's his name. And Polyphemus says that, hey, that's cool, I'll kill nobody last. And, yeah, it's so fucking Aesop's fable. Um, So phase two of the master plan. Now, Odysseus, if you don't know, is a really strong guy. Uh, Part of his story is that he can pull back and string a bow that nobody else can do because he's fucking really strong. Um, And he could have killed the Cyclops whenever because he's like such a great fighter, but he wouldn't be able to move the boulder to set his men free. So while Polyphemus is asleep that night, Odysseus stabs him in the eye with a a sharp stick he had been working on this entire time, right? Right. So he makes like a spear and then burns it so it's like, like, it's on fire. And then stabs him in the fucking eye. And you remember, he only has one eye. So Polyphemus wakes up, cries for help from all the nearby Cyclopes and says, help, nobody is killing me. And they're like, cool, dude. <laughs> and they leave him <laughs> alone. Uh, Polyphemus is enraged 
but he can't find the men. He's just running around in the dark. He can't find any of the guys. And he reasons that they're trapped no matter what he does. So he goes to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whatever, this guy just stabbed you in the face. But go back to sleep. In the morning, he wakes up to herd his sheep. And uh, he rubs all of their backs to make sure that none of the Odysseus's crew, or none of Odysseus's crew, is riding them to escape. He moves the boulder, and he like throws one sheep out at a time, so like nobody can escape. And then he, <laughs> leaves, he leaves, and then he closes the boulder behind them. Right, but what he didn't realize is that they were tied to the undersides of the sheep and escaped back to the ships once he let them out. That's what they were doing all night, is fastening themselves to these ships. Polythemus is enraged and chases after the boats. While on the boat, Odysseus lolls and reveals his real name. He said, Ha! Idiot Cyclops, you were just fooled by the great Odysseus. Ha ha! So, this was an act of super, like, hubris like lack of hubris Mm -hmm. which the greeks hate you know and Mm -hmm. so he it's like you know it's telling a moral story and um he ends up getting punished because remember i told you polyphemus's dad is poseidon the fucking king god of all the seas um so maybe odysseus shouldn't have told him his name so poseidon like throws rocks at odysseus's ships and like destroys them and shit so there you go. There's the moral story. Now, Polyphemus is, like, super famous because of his inclusion in the Odyssey. As you all may know, the Odyssey is probably, like, throughout history, the most spread and most well-known uh, mm-hmm. kind of piece of literature, I think. It's fucking everywhere. Um, so, of course, he's going to show up in other classical literary uh, works. So in Euripides, Cyclops, you might know Euripides. Uh, he's famous as the Athenian uh, tragedy playwriter, but also he wrote a bunch of other things, like this 5th century BCE play, where a chorus of satyrs makes fun of Polyphemus for losing his eye, uh, and they just like make fun of him the whole time. It's 60 minutes of one-eye, no-eye jokes, and it's seen as just for his impious lack of hospitality that he he lied and he didn't actually offer it to them. Also, in Virgil's Aeneid, the Latin epic, Aeneas actually sees Polyphemus leading his flock to graze. Uh, he hears the story of how Odysseus fucked up his eye. If you don't know about the Aeneid, it's about Aeneas. He was a Trojan and he's about to go found Rome, so he's kind of in the same time frame and area. Um... So here's the story of how Odysseus fucks his eye by Archimenides, who is a crew member of Odysseus who got marooned on Sicily during the events. Polyphemus chases them down with a bunch of other cyclopes, and, you know, they leave and he shakes his fist in front of the camera, uh, but he Mm -hmm. can't see anything, so he's actually facing the complete opposite direction than all the other all the other cyclopes are like what is he doing anyway also in ovid's metamorphoses uh which is ovid's take on latin epic it tells the story of how polyphemus was in love with galatea a sea nymph this is a completely different story um 
Galatea, however, was in love with a humid named Axis. And Polythemus catches them fucking behind some bushes. He gets really upset. And he picks up a rock and crushes Axis with it. Uh, Galatea is, like, real sad, obviously. So she turns Axis' spirit into the actual river Axis in Greece so they could be together forever. Aww. Adorable. So the the word kind of spread and the moral story behind all of Polythemus' stories is the notion of hospitality, right? So Xenia is an ancient Greek ethos and is really super important. It's all about offering hospitality, especially to strangers. There are examples like this in a bunch of old-worldy kind of shit. Odysseus goes to the Phaeacians, like I said. Telemachus goes to Sparta. Also, you could argue Abraham offering his home and daughters up to travelers is kind of this, even though he's not Greek. I know, don't say anything. I get it. Um, and these are all signs of like huge expressions of welcome. This is a big deal to people back in the day because you know the world was a lot more dangerous, a lot less safe. Not everybody had a gun, so like you had to be nice to strangers or else they you know like for fear essentially that they just like stab you in the night or whatever, I guess. Right, sure. <laughs> uh, so Polyphemus betrays Odysseus by faking Xenia. He fucking eat some of the guys afterwards the greeks would have seen this as like an ultimate evil doing and sort of the sub meta the sub meta the sub narrative of the odyssey <laughs> was to was to impart the identity of the greek man on its readers like what made you greek what did we hold true what are the ethos of the greek man uh, so things like metis, meaning cleverness, BA, strength, kleos, glory, are all a big part of Greek male identity. Xenia is another one of those things, which like shows how non-Greek and like barbaric this guy was. Also, right. side note, he drank milk, and Greeks thought that was fucking gross. <laughs> he like drank goat milk, and they were like, oh, fucking gross that's like what animals do even though they eat cheese so i don't know what's up with that today mm. polyphemus is the single most well-known cyclops in western literature his name is a literal translation of in many songs and legends oh that's cool he is the subject of many works of literature and lots of paintings uh, i'm about to get a little illuminati right before i get brown black bagged whatever and pulled off into the darkness uh, the Scottish Rite Freemasons use him as a symbol to represent civilization guided by blind force. So the fucking Freemasons mm. are, I guess, dealing with civilization and have, like, images of an evil civilization that I guess they would purge, sort of like Batman Begins. So, he's a big part of that as well. So, that's kind of cool. Secret societies and shit. You know. Yeah, for sure. It's cool shit. So that's the story of Polyphemus. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, good scrolls, man. You kind of went all over the place with that. I like it. Thanks, dude. Like, from, like, a very much from a point A to point Z, which is cool. Well, I, uh, I wanted to... I know I couldn't scare anybody, so I thought mm -hmm. I would just smother them right. potentially to death. 
in information. So, I mean, that is the goal always, right? Always. Crush with information. I don't want you also, breathing after an episode of Bad History. Well, no, people usually aren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From laughing so much. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to mine. Even you silly bitch. <laughs> Play the music. Dun 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 dun. All right, Dave. So I am going in a slightly different direction than you. Uh, so your requirements for me was that I could not do a monster that had uh, had to do with like the sea. So I couldn't do Kraken. I couldn't do Cthulhu. Right. One um, I ended up choosing to do uh, was an iconic American monster. Just okay. good old American-made muscle monster. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Headless Horseman. Oh, shit. Yes, the Headless Horseman, uh, made famous by the short story The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Awesome. And who wrote that? That is uh, Washington Irving, who is your friend and mine from last episode, uh, talking about him being kind of one of the architects of American folklore. And um, that's kind of part of the focus of what I'm going to be talking about today. The Headless Horseman is kind of the iconic monster in American folklore, I would argue. Uh, His roots are purely American, at least in the regards of kind of like what we know him to be. Um, I mean, yeah, if you had a normal ass childhood, then you probably have heard of the Headless Horseman. Uh, he especially makes an appearance right around now, around Halloween time, because Ugh. in the story, he supposedly carries around a pumpkin as a head. Uh, and it makes sense that he is the iconic in the United States because he is the central character, like I said, uh, sort of the central character, the central antagonist-esque person in Washington Irving's short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Um, and like I said, as you mentioned last week, Dave, Irving was one of America's first novelists. And helped to kind of create this American folklore idea by taking the story of Christopher Columbus and making him seem like a good guy when he was really just like a absolute fucker. But <laughs> but anyways, he was kind of the architect for American fol- folklore in a lot of ways. Um, so in uh, to kind of give a brief synopsis of the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, you have two characters that are battling it out for the. Uh, the hand of this daughter of a, of a extremely wealthy planner, and they both want to marry her because she's rich and all that stuff. And so it gets to the point where they're kind of going back and forth. One night, they're all sitting around this big campfire, having this big bonfire and this big party, and they're exchanging these kind of ghost stories. And one of the ghost stories is about the headless horseman. And the Headless Horseman is apparently was a Hessian soldier from a Revolutionary War. The Hessian soldiers were kind of almost like German mercenaries who were uh, who fought with the British. And he was supposedly a Hessian soldier who lost his head during a battle of the Revolutionary War when a cannonball flew, uh, kind of skidded off the ground and took his head off. Um, so good. And, yeah, and so... Uh, they're telling, they, they tell the story that he, you know, he runs through the woods at night carrying his head or he, he, I'm sorry. And they tell the story that he runs through the woods at night without a head. Uh, and Ichabob Crane, who is kind of 
probably the most iconic person in this story, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Ichabob Crane leaves the party. He's one of the people trying to chase after this daughter's hand in marriage. He leaves the party, and he's riding through the woods on his horse. He's riding through this supposedly super haunted area of the forest, and he begins to hear footsteps behind him, trotting behind him of a horse. He looks behind him, and he sees this figure dressed in all black, all riding on a horse in all black, and he appeared to have been missing his head and carrying his head uh, in his saddle with him. Dude, and so Ichabob Crane... fucking telling it is like, I'm really into it. I'm like shaking. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ichabob Crane, he freaks out. He starts to hightail it through the woods, but the headless horseman manages to catch up with him. And uh, the next day, no one can find Ichabob Crane. He seems to have just disappeared off the face of the earth. So they go, they kind of retrace the steps where he would have gone. And they end up finding his horse and a pumpkin that was smashed uh, on the ground in oh the middle of the woods. God. And so out of this story, and this is kind of where Irving ends it. Because Irving wants you to think... Uh, once you kind of make the decision for yourself, was this really a ghost or a spirit of a headless uh, of a headless soldier, or the flip side, this could have been the rival character dressed up, um, who was also known to be a really really good horse rider, um, who just simply scared off a kebab crane, and the head he was supposedly carrying was just a pumpkin. Um, but this is the, this, this, the headless horseman has kind of morphed and changed throughout, um, kind of all of our, or throughout time, throughout history to be this guy who carries around instead of a head, a pumpkin, and he's kind of searching for his head. Um, that's kind of the, the, the popular, uh, image of the headless horseman now, at least in the United States, uh, folklore. Um, and, and, uh, what I want to talk about though is, I want to th I want to talk about this idea of a headless horseman because this is not solely just an American monster. Um, this th this monster has its roots in a lot of other different countries, a lot of different other cultures, specifically European cultures. So, three cultures in particular have their own sort of versions of a headless horseman: Celtic, German, and Scandinavian. So I want to start with Celtic first. And the Celtic version of the Headless Horseman, I think, is the craziest one of them all. So Celtic, Celtic mythology has this monster that resembles the Headless Horseman almost to a T. It's called the Dullahan. And according to... The Dullahan. <laughs> and according to Celtic mythology, the Dullahan is dressed, in, is dressed in all black, riding a black horse and carrying its head by its side. Wait, he's carrying it, the horse's head? No, 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 no. His head. The okay. dude's head. Okay. Homie's head. He's got no head I on his shoulders. Like, Holy no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who's driving this thing? The headless horse man. Dude, uh, that would be cool if there was a guy awesome. just riding around with a horse without a head. But even better, he also wields a whip made from freaking human spines. Yes. Dude, it's fucking scorpion. Right? Uh... So in some lore, the Dullahan is almost like the Grim Reaper in the sense that it can sort of take life willy-nilly. Uh, it's said that Dula the Dullahan rides at sunset during certain times of the year and can just sort of sh show up, point at you, say your name, and then you're dead. You're uh, dead. 
But unlike the Grim Reaper, the Dullahan does not have a sort of agenda or a list of people whose time is up. It's sort of just kind of like, he shows up, you're dead. Uh, also, apparently, if you stop and look at the Dullahan directly, then you can have a bucket of blood thrown in your face, or you can have your eye gouged out by his whip. Wait, how do you make eye contact with this guy? Uh, he, he doesn't like being stared at, apparently, so if you look in his direction... Okay. Just yeah, gotta, yeah. Just, when he walks by, he's got to look at the floor. You look away. Okay. Um, now, there's no telling where this story actually comes from. Uh, it could have been based off stories passed down from those uh, decapitated during battles. There's this one idea that uh, it's it kind of morphed from the story of this um, this uh, this Celtic warrior who's beheaded during a battle, and he kind of haunts the area he was beheaded in uh, because he could never become a chieftain. And uh, so there's there's some th- uh, thought that it comes from that story. Um, but there's also a really, really interesting origin story that I want to talk about. Okay. So there was this Irish king who was a pagan, as were all Europeans before Christianity kind of swept through. Um, and he worshipped a fertility god named Crom Dub. Dub. Yeah, and every year he would sacrifice someone to the god by beheading them. All right. And when the worship of the god ended due to the arrival of Christianity, he uh, this 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 fertility god Crom Dub takes the physical form of the Dullahan to sort of wreak havoc. So he's getting offerings to him and in the form of sacri- or beheaded humans, and so he takes the form of a beheaded person to wreak havoc uh, on the countryside, yes. which is pretty interesting. So that's the Celtic story of the Headless Horseman. Now I want to switch gears and talk about Germany and Scandinavia. Okay. So the Headless Horseman also appears in Germanic for- uh, folklore in the Grim Fairy Tales, which I'm sure you've heard of before, Dave. Uh, the Grim Fairy Tales are a collection of German folklore collected by uh, the the brothers Grimm who went around and collected all these all these stories and kind of created this German folklore that wasn't really there before. Yeah, um, dude, it's uh, Heath Ledger and Matt Damon, right? Exactly. Um, it is actually thought that Irving may have gotten his inspiration for, of the Headless Horseman from the German, the German tales because he did spend some time in Europe. Um but in the German version, the hor- the horseman is simply referred to as the Wild Huntsman. Uh, in the Grimm stories, we have a very detailed origin story of the Huntsman. In the story, there is this man named Heckelberg who loved to hunt more than anything else in the entire war- world. And when he's on his deathbed, he prays to God to let him hunt until the end of time instead of going to heaven. And apparently this wish is granted, and it is said that if you are in the woods in Brunswick, that you can hear the sound of his hunting horn being blown throughout the night. But uh, in this story, there's no mention of him losing his head, but if we jump over to Scandinavia and then another German uh, uh, story, we can kind of get this, to, you know, we, this starts to develop a little bit. Um, and, and there's almost an identical story, but this time the writer is reported to have no head. So um, in Scandinavia, like I said, there is the story of a king who loved to hunt and uh, he he dies and it is said that he haunts the woods that he hunted hit, hunted in without a head. He car- carrying his head with him. Um, that's from Scandinavia. Now back to Germany, um, there is this uh, German tale titled Hans Jägentifel. Uh, in which a poor woman from Dresden was, was gathering acorns in a forest. 
when she came across a man in a gray cloak riding a gray horse who was carrying his own head. And the the writer asks him asks her um, if she was allowed to be to be gathering these acorns because uh, you weren't allowed to gather acorns or to hunt or anything like that to forage in the woods that belonged to the to the king. Um, and uh, she says, "Yes, I'm allowed to do this. Um, the 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 king is very merciful and lets the poor use the these woods to, for foraging." And he he uh, relates to her how he had lived a life of being extremely bad to poor people and just kind of dicking around. And so he was cursed to wander the world as a spirit without a head. Nice. Um, so those are kind of those are all stories from other cultures, really ancient stories too, the Celtic one especially. Um, but I want to circle back to this to, to Irving and the question of where he got this idea of the headless horseman from. The Celts, the Germans, the Scandinavians. Um, I honestly I think the Germans are a huge possibility here. And in fact, like I said, the the horseman in Ir- Irving's story is German. And uh, so you know, is this him kind of paying homage to the German story that he got got the idea from? Or was it just something he kind of just thought of? Um, you know, it's really it's hard to say, and we're not going to ever really know. Um, I think either way, the, the Headless Horseman is going to live on as the iconic uh, American monster. Uh, so, yes, that is the Headless Horseman. That's pretty pretty awesome. I love that story. Good scroll, Steven. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, there's a lot of, uh, as I was doing research for this, I want to say, there was a lot of really cool... Uh, primary source-esque stuff out there that has these tales of the Headless Horseman and stories relating to that. They're super easy to find. I really encourage you to read them. All the Grimm's, Grimm's uh, fairy tales are really interesting too. Um, so, so yeah, so it's out there. It's it's definitely out there and it's it's cool stuff to read. Right on, dude. Yeah. Um, well, I think the, that, was a, that was a really, really fun, fun topic to do. I had a really good time doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think next week is going to be even more fun. What's that, Steven? <laughs> so next week is going to be part two of our Halloween special. Uh, and we are going to be looking at – this week we looked at specific um, uh, monsters from history. <laughs> and next week we're going to be looking at kind of uh, general uh, monsters. So we're going to be looking at things like, things like vampire, things like werewolves, which are both – off of the table uh but but like actually specific like creatures from history that were that are like legendary um so do we want to set sort of uh limits for each other sort of uh hurdles that we have to jump through i don't know man because i actually thought that was the topic for this week earlier and i started Mm -hmm. doing that topic and it was not as easy to find as i thought so well let's do um let's uh let's just let's keep it open then yeah let's keep it open Okay, cool. Um, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. As always, um, if you want to check us out on Facebook or Twitter, just search for Bad History. We're at Bad History Class on Twitter, um, Bad History Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can email us, badhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. You can leave a rating and review. We are on uh, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher, uh, you, you you name it, we're probably on it. So uh, thank you guys so much for again bearing with us while we do this two week thing. Uh, this one's actually going to be on time. 
Yay. Can we get a round of applause? <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Our number one fan. The only yeah, person Jer- we let live listen to these episodes. Absolutely. Well, Jerry's actually my intern. Oh, okay. Well, you, yeah, you, Jerry, Jerry's know, my in- I didn't know yeah. you hired Jerry. I uh I feel well, a little betrayed. I'm not actually. I'm not paying him. Oh, okay. So, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back to you next time with some more Halloweeny kind of stuff. My name is Dave. My name is Steven. Happy history and good scrolls, everybody. Stay spooky, everybody. Everybody.